this world. There are men who dream and never make it off their couch. There are men who dream and fail. And then there are men who dream and change the landscape of this world. People like Bray Wyatt. Well, what about you, man? That's what I want to know. Aren't you tired of feeling unwanted? Aren't you tired of feeling like an outcast or being stepped upon? Then today is your day. Because today is the day that Bray Wyatt decided he was going to change everything. Today is the day that hell froze. Today is the day that pigs fly. Today, me and my people looked at fear right in the eye and we said, Mr. Fear, sir, you... You, you, uh, you have no accent, though. You have no Long Island accent that I can discern. Not really. I've been in LA for like 10 years. Mm-hmm. And it just goes away naturally, right? It, it goes away naturally. And there's also certain words that there's nothing you can do about. Like my friend, Bodie Elfman, he always teases me and he says, Hi, my name is Danny Masterson. Would you like to touch my balls? <laughs> imitation of me because certain so words why are you, you asking people with. to do that that's the more important question you got them yeah, that's the more important thing. exactly i've heard about you and you'll be caught soon i know you will i will i think you should be working at the snack bar you better relax bob there is no way that you could have been as bad at hockey as you are at golf all right let's go oh! you like that old man you want a piece of me i don't want a piece of you I want the whole thing! Now you're gonna get it, Bobby! Price is wrong, bitch. I think you've had enough. No? Now you've had enough, bitch. As we get ready for the seventh and final game of the Stanley Cup Finals, you can feel the electricity in the air, and there's no question, it just sends a chill up your spine, Paul. That's a fact, Mike. And to make things even more exciting, the Vice President of the United States is here this evening. Don't leave your seats. Doesn't look too good. 911 emergency services. I'm calling you from the Civic Arena. The vice president is being held hostage in the owner's box. And they've got my daughter too. What is your objective? $1,700,000,000. We're still evaluating the situation. They want money, a lot of it. Give it to them. Do not try any kind of rescue. Do you understand me? If you're not going to pay, say so. I'll get my daughter. When the game ends, everyone in this box and in this arena will die by explosion, fire, and panic. Tonight. 17,000 hockey fans have been taken hostage. Enough bombs have been planted in this building to stop all the clocks in the hemisphere. But only one of them knows.
knows it. I'm gonna try to stop you. I know where the bombs are, so I know where you're going. Then come and get me. We are gonna do this by the numbers. What number was that? No, he has more to lose than anyone. I said no vehicles on the grounds, no helicopters in the air. What part of that did you not understand? Jean-Claude Van Damme. Powers Boost. of the Action Heroes Podcast Network Studios. It's Nothing Worthwhile presents Van Dammit, a podcast about Jean-Claude Van Damme. Here's Evan Moody and Andrew Pruthius. Everybody was kung fu fighting. Those counts me down. Uh, this feels, it feels like deja vu all over again. Uh, As it is. As it is, 2004, the infamous Danny Masterson, Conan O'Brien clip. We got Happy Gilmore, The Price is Wrong, bitch, as we say, rest in peace to Bob Barker. Ray Wyatt, what's considered one of his best promos, his final promo in NXT before being called up to the main roster. We say rest in peace to Bray Wyatt. We'll get Andrew's thoughts on the passing of Bray. And, of course, uh, the movie that we're covering today, Sudden Death. Evan Moody live from Phoenix, Arizona. Andrew Gruthius live from Coconut Creek, Florida. Welcome to Nothing Worthwhile, episode number 110. We're doing it Van Dammit style today, this morning, as we take a look back at Jean-Claude in 1995, Sudden Death. All of that plus spanning the universe. One thing we are watching this week. Let me bring him in, the aforementioned Andrew Gruthius live from Coconut Creek, Florida. We're doing it again, Andrew. Uh, welcome on a rare Sunday morning taping. Rare Sunday, I think it's becoming more more often we do it on Sundays. I don't know, yeah, for some it, reason. I feel maybe like it's a yeah, religious it's thing. Like, maybe it's like the WWE moving to Saturday nights for their premium live events. It's a new strategy. Yeah, and it seems to be working for us. Good oh, to yeah, see you. Yeah. Um, we're doing, we're averaging one podcast every three months ex- now. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it was good to see you a couple weeks ago in New York. Another famous like- New York run. Lots of laughs and uh, some good tunes with some good friends. That's and good. now back in the grind of the 95-degree heat of Florida and back to work and all is well. Did you get any uh, residual from that hurricane? Was there anything uh, nope. going on by you? Nope, other than just the usual 5 o'clock shower that we get, which happens anyway. We really did not get anything of note from that hurricane, and God bless the people who did. Yes, God bless. Yeah. I don't know. I don't really know because it's it, it's like any other media story. It's once it's gone, they don't talk about it anymore. Apparently, it slammed the bend the bend by the Panhandle in Florida. So uh, there was this wasn't a this wasn't a direct West Coast hit, or it was like in the middle the Panhandle kind of deal, or towards the yeah, West. Yeah, sliced through that Tampa area by the bend and went straight into Georgia. 
I don't know. It's weird. Uh, hurricanes are weird. You know that. Uh, maybe I'm going to cancel our plans <laughs> to retire to Clearwater Beach, Florida. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they seem to be. be like, they seem to be getting the uh, getting the direct hits lately. Up there. I wonder. Yeah, I wonder how Hulk Hogan's restaurant maintained. Ooh, uh, yeah, they still did their Monday karaoke last week, so I think they're okay. I saw the Hulkster. He's declaring he's alcohol free, and he dropped forty pounds. I don't want him to drop forty pounds. Hulk Hogan's supposed to be larger than life. He's still a pretty big. He still looks to be in for his age in phenomenal shape. I'll say Come that. On. When you're that, when you're getting that old, you're supposed to become a fat fuck. Come on. <laughs> I don't know about I don't know. that. Andrew, <laughs> let me let me get let me put this up. But you know, I'm a big fan of. We've talked about. We've covered. I think we did one of the Godzilla movies, one of the reboots, and I wanted to get your opinion. We've talked about this, I think, in passing or maybe on the podcast. Apple TV is doing a, a, a television show starring Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell, that's in the MonsterVerse. It's called Monarchy. I think it's called Legacy of Monsters. The teaser trailer is up, and I want to I want to get your opinion of it right now. Do you see it on your screen? Yeah. Is this the one he's he's doing with his son? This is it. This is, and let me cue it up and let's okay. take a look and yeah, let's get take your a thoughts. Look at this. Monarchy Legacy. I read about this today, but I have not seen any any of this. So, yeah, yeah Apple Plus TV. Let's take a All look. Right, go ahead. I don't know if this will get to you. I hope so. I can't go back in time and fix all the mistakes I made, but maybe I can leave something for the future. A legacy. John Goodman? He looks gaunt. is on fire. I decided to do something about it. Hopes, dreams, ambitions. The mission was to protect their world and ours. That's what we wanted Monarch to be. Instead of chasing monsters. If you come with me, You'll know everything, I promise. I'm in. What'd you think? What'd you think, bro? That looks great. That looks like a lot of fun. I have a question, though. Go ahead. Is... Goodman, the same character in this as he was in Kong Skull Island, is that is it? I in, believe so. So yeah, it's in that. Monarch- so it's in that uh, monster verse. Yes. Yes. Okay, I'm in. I like so it. It looks to, great. Uh, I think it's supposed to pick up <clears throat> after the first Godzilla movie, after the attack on San Francisco, and yes, the Goodman character from Kong Skull Island, who's a monarch official. Uh, I think it's wrapped a little bit around him and then the Kurt Russell character spans 40 years or 30 years and his son plays the younger version of himself. Right. Uh um, that looks great. Uh I love Kurt yeah. Russell. Huge Kurt Russell fan. Uh, Me too. see him in just about anything. Goodman is great always and it just looks it looks like it lo- it just looks good. It looks good. I'm in. Yeah. Is that out now? That it's going to start in November. I'm not a big Apple TV guy, but boy, this this looked like they put a ton of dough into it. 
and the monsters look like movie quality. I'm actually really excited. Apple TV this. has some good stuff out there. I like Ted Lasso. I think I've mentioned that on, the, on one of our yeah. podcasts. And there's, there's one this, or two like, other Harrison ones. Harrison Ford show where he's like a psychiatrist or something. There's the, the, the Springsteen documentary, which is very good. All right, but that's not. I talk about the television. Uh, I understand. You know, I'm actually looking forward to it. They have a couple of science fiction-y TV shows that have caught my interest a little bit. But uh, no, looking forward to it. Gru, uh, listen, let's move it on. Before we get into overtime and the sudden death, let's check out the latest news on our favorite 80s action stars. Gru, cue it up. It's time for Van Dammit spanning the universe. Van Dammit spanning the universe. Yo! All right, Groove Spanning Universe is brought to you by New You Life Center. Begin a new you. Check out all their wonderful laser treatments at www.newlifecenters.com. Give them a call at 602-274-0068. I stopped by there yesterday. They were nice and busy. Mm. Tell them Moody and Groove and sent you and receive a big 15% off your first service. New You Life Center, restore your youthfulness with confidence. Let's start that new you free consultation Customized services, feel good in a stress-free environment. That's New You Life Center. Next to Cape right, Milo. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even. I, I don't know if I have the copy queued up for that one on this. <laughs> like I, I got different notes for nothing worthwhile. Than yeah, I know. Don't ask. All right, let's talk about our guy Jean Claude Van Damme. After all, grew this podcast is named Van Dammit. While chatting with ComicBook.com in promotion of the second season of Apple TV's The After Party. Jean-Claude Van Johnson director Peter Antasicio opened up about Jean-Claude Van Damme and revealed that the 90s action star was, quote, everything you want him to be. Uh, Van Damme kept a low profile these last couple of years before returning with 2008's meta action crime film JCVD, which we'll cover somewhere down the line which starred the time cop actor as a fictionalized version of himself who gets caught up in a bank robbery. Uh, the Street Fighter actors appeared in the franchises such as The Expendables, Kung Fu Panda, and Gru. He's even he starred in this, which I, I didn't even know. This prime miniseries, Jean Claude Van Johnson. I know you and I talked about it a little bit on the phone. Uh, have you even heard about this prime miniseries, Jean Claude Van Johnson? Other than its existence, uh, I don't know anything about it. Okay, again, it's one of those meta. He portrays a fictionalized but, but, by the way what can you explain to me real quickly when you say you've used that word a couple times when you say meta what does it mean what uh, people say that i don't understand uh, what it's maybe, referring maybe to. it's like meta is like almost like uh when you say tropes meta is like a wink and a nod so like in john claude van johnson he's portraying himself as an actor jean-claude van johnson who's doubling as a super agent so it's like an insider wink and a nod okay. That's like when All i right. think of meta kind of stuff where you're like jcvd the movie the 2008 jean-claude movie jcvd he plays himself as a broken down aging action star who i think gets caught up in a real life criminal robbery and has to become a superhero for real I, I these kind so of it's things like when you're meta. letting the audience in on the joke 
in on the joke and you're almost like in a sense maybe spoofing yourself or okay. spoofing a spoof. Ah. All right. Okay. I understand. Does that make sense? A little bit. I feel a little better. Thank you. <laughs> uh, this guy goes on to say about Jean-Claude, oh my gosh, he's a character. He's just kind of everything you want him to be. He's really that strange and that amazing. He's in incredible shape, but he's also just out. There was one day in particular, I'll never forget, doing that show for him. It was such a surreal experience because I don't know, Dave was taking things from his real life and in his past and mixing it in with his narrative. It was like half-wish fulfillment, half-brutal self-reflection. Then he went on to say, one day he, meaning Jean-Claude, came to me on the set. He was dead serious. He just grabbed me by the shoulder and he was like, you know, to be honest with me, there is no show. This is an intervention, yes? And I was like, I hate to break it to you, Jean-Claude, but this is definitely a show that we're making. This is not just a therapy session for you. But he had an emotional breakthrough on the show. It was a wild experience, but he was a lot of fun to work with. Guru, he goes on to say that Jean-Claude, he's out there. He lives a crazy life. He gets in his Bentley convertible every day. He's got three dogs in the back seat. He goes to Gold's Gym every day. He's still super committed as an actor. Everywhere you go with him, people come up to him and say, you're my hero. You're the reason I did this. You changed my life. Gru, you and I may check out Jean-Claude Van Jansen. Van Johnson <laughs> on Prime Video. Apparently, maybe this guy's doing a show called The After Party. But more often than not, Gru, are you surprised by the warm comments Jean-Claude received from this director? No, I've heard nothing. But I, you don't really hear people who've worked with him say negative things about him. You, you hear people who are in competition with him say negative things about him. No, it doesn't surprise me. All these guys are softening in their in their older older age, I think. At least I'd hope. Um, but no, it sounds it, there's nothing odd about the story. Um, I'm interested in the show. Yeah, maybe we'll talk about what we're covering for the next Van Damme. Maybe we'll throw in episode one of Jean-Claude Van Johnson. I know it stars Felicia Rashad, and again, it's Jean-Claude playing Jean-Claude Van Johnson, who's a movie star but doubles as a real-life super agent. Again, it's what I would call that meta. He's spoofing himself, right. spoofing the ideas of some of his movies, perhaps. It's like the Cosby show. Oh, wait, no, we don't want to go there. That 70s show. No, we don't want to go there either. No, it's tough no. to find anything. <laughs> no, I understand. You know, Let me it's ask like, you a question. Let me ask you a question. You mentioned... It's like Roseanne. So, no, geez, we don't want to go to geez. Roseanne either. <laughs> oh, Roseanne was different. Roseanne said something outlandish, or maybe you don't think outlandish. But go to the Masterson clip. So people are surmising that Conan knew something about Danny Masterson. Oh, is that your bullshit. read on is that no. Okay, hold on, let me finish let's set it up professionally. Is that your read on the clip or is it circumstance? Uh, how, what's your read on something like that? My read on the clip is that Danny Masterson probably had a reputation the same that a lot of those guys had just, you know, a womanizer. womanizer. Yeah, womanizer and just said what now today would be considered to be inappropriate things to women, even though they're inappropriate. Inappropriate or illegal? We're not there yet. Okay. I'm well, not, no, I'm, no, I'm suggesting that he did, he definitely did what he did. But I'm talking about, what I'm talking about is Conan's perspective. So 
my feeling is that Masterson is like uh, known to be this kind of guy, not a guy who would rape anybody, but or evidently he was. But uh, the, as far as his reputation, just one of these guys who's just you know rude to women, and there hey, were plenty yeah, of them. Yeah, the ball. like a dice clay like character in a way. I think he had that reputation, and I think that on it's on that level that Conan knew him. No, one of these days, somebody's going to get pissed off. I think that's what he was trying to say. Not one of the, I know what you do and somebody's going to get you. I don't think it was that. I did not get that from that. No way. And I absolutely agree with your take on it as well. Just mm-hmm. wanted to get your thoughts on that. Gru, excuse me, I got still a little bit of a cough. Sly Stallone revealed his favorite Arnold movies while taking part in a Discord AMA. One thing that Arnold or, or Sly talked a discord i don't know i've heard some of the guys on the last of the action hero they have a discord which is i think maybe you could you can maybe go on and talk to people live while maybe you're filming a podcast or have people I don't comment know. Uh, I, don't I don't know either but your your production so look into it please <laughs> you want a production you want a discord we'll get you a discord we're, we're, we're still doing 90s carts and uh <laughs> Give me the tape! Yeah, yeah, I love that clip. And then uh, Howard goes, Richard, you're wearing panties. You hear it? Stop it, Howard. You went, you're running around in panties. This is interesting. We learned that Schwarzenegger convinced Stallone, perhaps with a little bit of a strategy, to take part in the I terrible movie Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. <laughs> Arnold revealed, I read the script and it was a piece of shit. Let me be honest. I say to myself, I'm not going to do this movie. Then I went to Sly, and Sly called me and said, have they ever talked to you about doing this movie? And I said, yes, I was thinking about doing it. It's a really brilliant idea, this movie. <laughs> and I, I think he got to convince Sly to jump the gun and do the movie. Stallone called that movie maybe one of the worst films in the entire solar system, including alien productions that we've never seen. A flatworm could write a better script than Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. However, Gru Stallone did reveal his favorite Schwarzenegger movies during this Discord AMA. His first pick was, of course, probably Arnold's most iconic film, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, directed by James Cameron. He joked, I tell him, I said you have the easiest movies in the world to do. You just walk down the middle of the street, punching the crap at everybody. No one hurts you. Unfortunately, my characters all got beat up. Oh, oh, I feel so bad for you, Sly. He also talked about another big fan of Stallone, was also a big fan of Schwarzenegger's other Cameron collaboration, True Lies, 1994. We know who it stars with, Jamie Lee, Bill Paxson, Tom Arnold. According to Stallone, True Lies was a very good, because he combined everything in that, the wit, the romantic aspect, the charm, and then great action with the great director. So that would do it. Grew no surprises here. Sly, a fan of T2 and True Lies. What do you think about some of Stallone's banter on Arnold? Can't argue with those choices, but I will say about Stop or My Mom Will Shoot, I've heard that story, and that's on Stallone, man. Stallone should have known that Schwarzenegger was fucking with him. That's just stupid. Yeah, and if the guy, uh, if the guy, I look like the stereotypical meatball. Like exactly, oh, I'll, I'll, yes, yeah. exactly. If I, like we all know Schwarzenegger to be like that kind of guy, just somebody who, who I don't know, just lighthearted in a way. 
that that would say, oh, yes, definitely do it. You should do it, which is a clear sign not to do it. If I could briefly interrupt, I would also say Sly, excuse me, Arnold, is actually very well thought out. I I don't even like jovial. I think Arnie back in the day or maybe even now, he's always trying to read the room and be two steps ahead of the game. But he also seems like the kind of guy, if he were like in the WWE, he'd be known as the biggest river. He'd be known as that guy who would just fuck with anybody at any point just for fun. He seems like that kind of guy. Why do I think Arnold would be actually known as the most political backstage guy to protect his spot at the top? One could be both. Okay. <laughs> but, Fair uh, enough. But I, I will make a confession about stop or my mom will shoot. Please don't. <laughs> no, it's not what you think. What is it going to be? It was I have, so bad. I, I have uh, never I, I, actually I, seen it. Either of us. Never uh, seen no, it. I've seen it. Never I seen it. Seen. Never seen it, and I wouldn't think there'd be any reason to, unless the guys on Last of the Action Heroes, somebody there gives it some kind of, I don't know. Sometimes oh, I follow. Sometimes I follow let's what cover they it say for the heck of doing it. I, let's cover it. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, I've never seen it, and I've never had any interest in seeing it. Right, let's cover it at some point. Grew. Speaking of Arnie, could Arnie star? in a proposed sequel to Prey, a sort of reboot of the Predator franchise. Group Prey came out of nowhere and was an instant success for Hulu. It was a fresh take on the Predator franchise, and it did include a star-making performance by Amber Mid-Thunder. The Prey... Fi- that was this... St- Come on. I, I know she's Nava, like she's a Native American actress that starred in the movie Prey, which was the reboot. Amber Mid-Thunder is her name. <laughs> Insert joke here. He was really good, actually. Yeah, I thought we weren't allowed to use those names anymore. That's her name, Amber Midthunder. Midthunder has even previously... First of all, I can't believe you've not seen Prey. I, I think you've No, said I've heard of it. it. I haven't seen it. I didn't say you've... I know you've heard of it. I can't believe it. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're a fan of Predator. At least the Arnold. Oh, yeah. There's no, a, if you're asking me if there's any reason that Dylan couldn't... couldn't that, that was his name, right? Dylan. No, what was yeah, his name? But, yeah, Dylan. Uh, right, that that, guy, that character you're... couldn't be in this thing. There's no reason. Here's the okay, but you have to see Ray, which they've taken the, pre- the the Predator franchise and they've put it back to I don't know the 1800s, and when so Prey, the sort of soft reboot that it is, and I did like it. It's a little wokey, but they they take it to Native American times where the first predator ship comes to earth and these native american this native american tribe tangles with the predator and it's a first version of the predator so it's a more feral looking predator it's a more simpler version of the predator and also they super the main storyline is this female who's in the native american tribe she wants to hunt like all the boys, and she's a female, so she doesn't want to take the more traditional female role in the tribe, but yet circumstances align that she ends up being one of them to square off against the Predator and as the final girl in the movie. I really did like it. I would encourage you to, if you have a couple hours, check it, check it out. According to the rules of the Prediverse, Go ahead. Arnold Schwarzenegger's character in some form could end up in this in this world. 
So here's what the director, Dan Trackenberg, who did 10 Cloverfield Lane, he also directed Prey. This is what he said. I did learn that there was an attempt to have Arnold in the sequel Predators. All I'll say is there's still time for those guys. They're still around, and wouldn't that be awesome? I don't know if if it could fit in this court in this sort of reboot, but Arnold has returned to iconic franchises before 2019 Terminator Dark Fate. So the door is left open. So basically, you've answered my question, but Gru, are you down for Arnold returning in some fashion to the Predator franchise? Always down for that, no matter what it is. To me, the guy can do no wrong, but do I think it'll happen? Probably not, because with Arnold, it really, and I guess rightly so in many ways, it usually comes down to money. He's a business guy, and I don't see them shelling out what he would what he would charge for that. But never say never, and I would love it. Yeah, sure. Wasn't there going to be a True Lies one also? I think that's how they did the Netflix show, which I've not watched. Oh, Fubar, no Fubar, yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. I just haven't heard any positive or any buzz from. I've like, heard middling. I haven't heard bad, but I've heard half-assed. Yeah, I'd rather actually cover John Claude Van Johnson because at least it's related to this podcast, so to speak. Yeah. I'd give it a shot. Grew another Van Dammit, another goofy story on Steven Seagal, and this time it's coming from, I would say, a nothing worthwhile favorite, Tom Arnold. Tommy was part of the San Diego Comic-Con panel a few weeks ago. Some of you may know I got a chance to visit the Tucson Comic-Con. Yes. Thank you to one Teresita Oliveras, who is a colleague of mine at work, who her and her husband you got to uh, meet the rights. the greatest intercontinental champion of all time, and I don't care what you say about Gunther. He doesn't. He said he doesn't really watch the current product. So oh shit, like, he's, been, he's been tweeting and retweeting all that shit. Over well, I'm, not and on over his, again. I'm not on Twitter, but at least to my face, he seemed very unaffected by it. I he hope was like I, I don't even watch the current. Product. I hope he doesn't. I, I I love the guy. He's great. He's my guy. Here's what I'll say: You and I have goofed on him because he doesn't wear the the honky tonk yeah. gimmick, but. The guy could have not been any nicer. I went up to him. I had your questions on my phone, and I was like, I gotta, I'd love to ask you a couple of questions. He's like, why don't you come over to the panel discussion? We're going to have it in five minutes. I was like, where is it? He's like, go to room 271D, and we went. Did he take your drink order, that. too? Did, did, he ask if, did he ask if you wanted fries with that also? It was, yeah, was good, <laughs> but like, he, he ran long, and so we couldn't. I didn't even get a chance to ask him a couple of questions. Oh, but, I would have. Uh, did anybody ask questions? Yeah, they asked him a couple of questions. Anything interesting? No, not the stuff that I had. I even wanted to ask him about the honky tonk man vote of confidence, that oh. whole angle. Uh, if that was a way to spin him, yeah, from good I, guy I, you know guy. what? And, and the he, funny he thing is, I've been being, he, he said being a bad guy was more his kind of like his center. Like he, that was where he was more comfortable. Uh, and so, I think the idea that he started off as a fan favorite, he was really not. At least his spin on it. That's his spin. Was I wasn't comfortable. And, you know, it was only a matter of time before I, I moved to becoming a heel. Because I'll tell you something, and I know we're getting off topic, but real quick, I've been watching some old wrestling challenges of from course, his. No, from because I wanted to, because after you said that, I wanted to check it out. And I've been looking at those first few weeks when he came in as a face. 
And I was looking for clues as to answer that question. Was the plan the whole time for him to, was he meant to be a heel? And I'm not there sure are, he was meant to be. That's where there are be. some sure. inter, there are some interesting little 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 drops that that definitely point in that direction as far as planting a seed. I did notice a couple things, but it's fun. It, it was fun to do, and really pathetic that I have nothing else to do with my time. But in any case, it was still fun to do. But I'm glad he. I'm glad the experience was nice. Now. At the now, when I go to now, when we go to WrestleCon, whenever the next one that we go to will be, I might want to. We've always avoided him because of he doesn't really get into character. But you know what? Your experience, I would really enjoy meeting him. Yeah, it was like if you do the two for one, I'll take ten dollars off. And so I got the signed <laughs> picture and the the photo. Oh, it makes you Why feel so have... great about life, doesn't it? I know. It's like uh, Howard saying when you like the people used to buy a Jackie Martling shirt. Like I was like, why do I? But actually, uh, you know what? I would actually, if we saw him again at WrestleCon, I would get pictures with you. He did agree with me that the setup in, at the LA WrestleCon was wonky. He's like, I didn't like it. All the yeah. different rooms. You had to walk around and shake around the <laughs> room. I got my <laughs> Uh, see, that's the that's the honky tonk I want, man. Yeah, he was a trained a trained educator, trained teacher. Really, he was a teacher for three years. Yeah, wow. Before he went, Mr. Ferris. Yes. So anyway, Tom Arnold was at the San Diego Comic Con, and he was talking about Exit Wounds, which starred Seagal, Steven Seagal, DMX, DMX right? and Anthony Anderson. I like that a, movie. Tom was talking about they were shooting on a houseboat in Toronto when the director, a fellow by the name of Andrej Bartwiak, wanted to do a run in. He wanted to do a run through the scene. And Steven Seagal says, I don't want to rehearse. Arnold said he sat in his chair for 45 minutes. He could have rehearsed. He could have blocked it. He could have done everything. And then he said Seagal instructed the director to roll the camera to film the scene in which the actor was supposed to get up, leave through a door on the side of the boat. But because he had argued so long with everyone about not rehearsing that he forgot what door to go out, recalls Arnold, and the start went out the wrong exit. He started heading to the door. I looked at Anthony Anderson, and I was like, should I tell him? And Anthony Anderson was like, no. And Seagal opens the door and goes, oh, fuck. And disappears into the ocean. <laughs> and he had to be fished out by four people, according oh to Arnold. God. Tom Arnold says the lesson of the story, which he's told in interviews and to co-stars over the years, is not to be a jerk. Tom Arnold goes on to share that Steven Seagal, who now lives in Russia, I don't know that I don't know that to be true. That's Tom Arnold saying. Holds Russian and Serbian citizenship. I think that's true. Is fully aware that the comedian Tom Arnold has been telling this story over the years and doesn't seem pleased. A mutual friend, we, we have said to me, hey, I talked to Steven. I'm going to set up a meeting. And I go, no, don't do that. Steven Seagal says, I want to know who's paying Tom Arnold to badmouth him, badmouth me. <laughs> I go, nobody is paying me, he continues. If I had a sense of humor at it all, he knows that everybody I do it with movies, I do a story, I do stories about Arnold, people I love, all these different people over the years. You don't have to pay me to tell stories. The problem with him is he's got so many. Grew, I don't know what else to say. Yet another overwhelming positive 
anecdote about one Stevie Seagal. That's Arnold is exactly right. It's there's so many. You well, know, I think everyone, uh, say, yeah, Arnold saying, "Look, I got stories yeah. about everybody." You know, you're, but he's also but he's many. also saying that Seagal is legendary for these stories. So it's at this point, Seagal should just embrace it already and just say, "Yeah, I've been a, I've been a schmuck, and I am what I am. I'm making money and I'm living my life." He survived this long without any friends. He should be fine. <laughs> it just seems like everywhere you turn, it just seems like. He's just an asshole, and that's okay. I think he should. I think he should do a new prime television miniseries called Steven Sekul, and oh. he's a American in Russia as a TV star, as a double agent spy who's spoofing meta. Okay, anyway, <laughs> um, well, Steven Sekul, the old double standard me. I'm right there. Oh. I, I'd watch it in a second. Yeah, I might actually too. To be yeah. honest, I really loved his reality show when he was the New Orleans uh, cop, so to speak. And who was his wacky partner, Mel Gibson? <laughs> no, he did that like he was like an honorary cop in New Orleans. It was oh, a yeah. real reality Lawman. show. Steven Seagal Lawman. I did yeah. watch a couple episodes of that. Grew. Speaking of uh, Mel Gibson, Van Damme's favorite anti-Semite, <laughs> Mel Gibson, is indeed <laughs> back yet again with the upcoming thriller movie Des- Desperation Road which stars Garrett Hedlund, Willa Fitzgerald, and one Mr. Melly Gibson. The official film synopsis has this gritty and dramatic story centered around Russell Gaines. Garrett Hedlund, a former convict striving to rebuild his life following his release from prison in order to do so and head down a new path. Russell seeks assistance from his father, Mitchell, played by Mel Gibson. However, things take a dramatic turn when Mabin, Willa Fitzgerald enters Russell's life and their story unfolds. Then they find themselves on the run. Let me set up this clip for you, Andrew. (laughs) Grew, can you see the screen? Desperation Road. Melly Gibson, his new movie. Garrett Hedlund, here we go. What are you doing? Going back to my room. I didn't do nothing. Y'all never do. What are you doing? Typical white trash setup. Welcome home. What happened to your face? Just a little going away present from the boys. They let you out early. You ain't out of my reach, boy. Boy, you're being awful hard on yourself. We can be forgiven. What's going on here? Ain't no point in keeping it a secret. One of our own shot with his own pistol, which we can't seem to find. I want to stick with you, and if we're going to stick together, we have to go right now. Don't move. Get in the truck. Turn on the car and drive. Oh, I think I'll hold on to that. This ain't your gun. Just give it I will. You tell me who it belongs to you. I shot him until he wasn't moving no more. I know a place you can go. Somewhere safe. I'm going to trust you. You're going to have to trust me. What the hell is going on? Need that old place? I'll explain everything later. All right. I got your back. A woman came into the shelter. A little girl. That lady working there said she found a pistol on her before she took off running. I just need to know if Russell stayed here with you the night before last. Of course, I know he was here. We got one brother dead. I ain't looking to be another. This is the end of the world. 
seems like you and I were tied together by some sort of invisible rope. Just do the best you can for right now. You don't worry about tomorrow until it comes. Life's a whirlwind. We're all caught up in it. Ooh. Nadine Crocker directed it. Wow. All joking right. aside, any thoughts? Generic. It just it's it's like they just spin the wheel and say, "Okay, we've got this story. We'll match it with this title, and we'll try to get these people and slide them in here." And Gibson's problem is that he's just he. If he did one thing that was received well, he would he would be right back in in everybody's good graces. That's how Hollywood uh, works. Well, that's how Hollywood works. I give a slight disagreement with that, <clears throat> but he is doing a fairly big project, which is, I think it's on Peacock. It's called The Continental. It's the John Wick universe. It's like that hotel that the assassins stay in. So he is, uh, I think he plays the main character, like the gatekeeper of the hotel. All right. Um, I'm, a, I'm a John Wick fan. I actually just watched uh, part four on a, I think on the movie, on the flight to, to or from New York. Mm-hmm. Really enjoyed it. So, yeah, I've never seen any of those, but look, I'm... But can I just add, on this particular movie, I definitely agree with you. It's like sp- spill, spin the wheel of plot. However, I like Garrett Hedlund. I think he, I don't know, for some reason he he gives a, I don't know, I, like, I feel like he gives a nice gritty performance. And if I was sitting around with a couple hours and nothing to do and I wanted to watch another one of these generic guy gets out of prison trying to do right, but getting dragged into something based on circumstances and family can the family help i might watch this i don't think it's it it doesn't have that absolute cheese factor that some of we've watched some of the other people on last of the action heroes some of their straight to streaming trailers i think it does all right that's okay that's just it just looks like one of them that's what i don't like about it but what of them what are those people anyway. <laughs> Yeah, one of the one. Of, oh, shut up. All right. Before we, you know, I hear you. I'm not, uh, I'm not, uh, let's say, I'm not giving a thumbs up to it, but it does. I don't know. I like Garrett Hedlund. Uh, he's been in a couple of good things. So I guess if, if it came up on some kind of screen, would I watch it? If I had nothing to do, maybe. Hey, if I maybe. find it in the, uh, a, if I find it in the A track bin at uh, the local car wash, I'll pick it up. <laughs> no, nope. hey, absolutely. But yeah, I don't know. Check out Peacock, the Continental. Mel is in that, and that's a pretty big streamer. That's that's a major piece for Peacock with the Wick franchise. So, crew, right. let's uh, finish up on a sad note. We're going back maybe a week or two already, but new details grew have emerged about the sudden death of WWE superstar Bray Wyatt, whose real name was Wyndham Rotunda, died I think two two Thursdays ago from a heart attack at the age of just thirty six. Bray Wyatt grew had been taking a nap at the time, and his fiance, former WWE ring announcer JoJo Offerman, became worried when she heard his alarm go off an hour later, and it was just going off. It wasn't stopping. 
So she was found him in his bed, not breathing and, quote, turning blue, according to the official report. Offerman's mother attempted CPR while Offerman called 911. Bray Wyatt was later pronounced dead at the hospital. The tragic incident occurred months after we found out Wyatt was alleged to have had COVID-19 and developed heart complications from it. Doctors recommended to Wyatt that he keep a heart defibrillator with him. While it's unclear if that would have saved Wyatt's life, the defibrillator was not on him when he died and was later found inside his vehicle in the driveway, according to TMZ. Wyatt had been hospitalized for heart issues a week before he died, per TMZ. He had actually met with doctors the morning he died, in which they recommended that he continue to wear the external heart defibrillator. Uh, a lot of things to perhaps unpack. We got still a lot of things to cover, but grew. Extremely sad news coming from the world of pro wrestling. Bray Wyatt gone. Yeah, sad, shocking, but for some reason not all that surprising. It just seemed like there was something bad going on from the get-go because it was being very secretive and nobody was talking about anything, and that's just not the way things go in the in the wrestling world. Very sad, but look, I still think there was something more to this whole thing than what they're saying because it the whole thing still doesn't make sense. But if it is what it is, your doctor tells you to do something, you fucking do it. Yeah. Like, that's all I can say there. I mean, if you have an external defibrillator, I'm wondering if he was... Apparently, according to the wrestling dirt sheets, he was, I think, given a go-ahead to start performing again. Um, I, <laughs> I don't see how that, I, I don't that see doesn't how make you can, any sense. I don't see how you can either. I, I don't know. Triple H got a defibrillator, I think, placed on his heart, and he said, I'm done. That's yeah. It, so. <laughs> yeah. That's it. He's also 20, is, uh, he's 20 years older than Wyatt, but still, regardless of how old you are, you you know. I've none, what, very little of this makes any sense, and that just makes it all the more tragic. What is? How do you think? How will you remember Bray Wyatt as a performer? Unfortunately, my memory will be always be what might have been because I don't yeah. think he had hit his peak. He was really going somewhere with the Wyatt family, and they just they just broke that up. And then I never really got on board with the whole fiend thing because the matches weren't um making they weren't earning the other stuff they weren't going so well with the other stuff uh they had a couple of those firefly funhouse the firefly funhouse matches which were okay but to me his best stuff will be with the wyatt family and i miss that bray wyatt i miss the whole bray wyatt but that's the one that i think really would have eventually won out if you're looking at like the three faces of Foley kind of thing that I don't know if that's where they were headed but I would hope that would have been but unfortunately it's something we will never know yeah I agree with you I think he actually did hit his high point which was the Wyatt family and there was a lot of excitement towards the fiend but that booking didn't really have a lot of legs because as you indicated the matches had to be structured in a certain way and Unlike maybe a similar character like The Undertaker, he didn't have, if I'm to be honest, <laughs> he didn't have the athletic chops like an Undertaker. And so the matches sometimes didn't come across 
all that well. I, I think I'll remember him as he was also losing. The Fiend did lose occasionally, but he was booked like a demon, and he couldn't lose. And then when he lost, it was a real big hit to the character. Nonetheless, I say my memory, he was like an enigma. Like he he got to that highest level, but he just could never cross over it and stay there for an, a consistent, consistent amount of time. And I agree with you. I think the Wyatt family was the one that had the most legs. They chose to go different avenues. I liked. I think the Firefly, the Fire. Well, here I'm doing the same thing. As you. <laughs> the Firefly Funhouse match against John Cena at the COVID WrestleMania was phenomenal in the sense of I've called it like the wrestling dark side of the moon. It's a fascinating piece of cinema for 16 or 17 minutes with a lot of great Easter eggs and a lot of things about Cena and and Wyatt, and it's a fun watch. I'll say that it's a fascinating watch, but the wrestle yes, his, high, his highest point to me was the stuff with the Wyatt family. Yeah. Rest in peace. Uh, Wyndham Rotunda, AKA Bray Wyatt. All right, Gru, before we move on to, to a sudden deathy, we got to talk about it. Gru all elite wrestling has announced that has terminated the contract with the one and only CM Punk, AKA Philip Brooks effective immediately decision was made after an internal investigation into a backstage incident involving Punk at AEW's All In London on August 27th. Quoting Tony Khan, Phil played an important role within AEW, and I thank him for his contributions. Quote, I am making this decision in the best interest of the many amazing people who made AEW possible every week. Our talent, staff, venue operators, and many others whose efforts are unsung but essential to bringing our fans great shows on television and at the arenas and stadiums throughout the world. According to AEW's statement, the decision was made following a consultation with the AEW Discipline Committee and external legal counsel, who unanimously recommended that CM Bunk be terminated with cause. Grew the backstage incident in question was reported to be an altercation with fellow wrestler Jack Perry, son of 90210 Scion Luke Perry, Tony Khan also addressed the incident at the opening of Saturday, last Saturday's AW collision, saying in front of the fans, never in 30 years have I ever felt anything until last Sunday that my security, my safety, my life was in danger at a wrestling show. I don't feel that anyone should feel that way at work. Grucey and Punk was previously suspended from AEW following the infamous press scrum at All Out 2022 which later reportedly turned into a backstage brawl. Uh, Punk eventually made his return to AEW in June of 2023. Andrew Gruthius, the floor is yours. CM, CM Punk fired from AEW. Good. What, what, I, I, <laughs> how many times does it take to realize this guy's an asshole? And how many <laughs> it's like bad so it's, to paraphrase an old joke it's like bad milk it's you oh this milk is sour and then you put it back and say maybe tomorrow it'll be fresh the wait, guy's wait, wait, a wait, wait. douche please, wait, hold on please let me hear that analogy again about sour milk it's like you grab a, a I gotta write you, this for the you, this is no be it's, the wrap a, up it's not my Gru's, thing I, it's to paraphrase sour milk analogy it's it's not my analogy, but you drink, you pull some milk out of the thing, you drink, you say, ooh, it's sour, and you put it back. Maybe tomorrow it'll be fresh. Like the, the, that doesn't happen. And CM Punk keep they, it's like 
obviously the guy's a loose cannon. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He thinks the world owes him everything. And why would anybody hire him at this point except like a lo- local places that need to uh, sell out buildings? The guy's such a just such a douche. And it's interesting how everyone's talking about will he go to the WWE and blah 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 blah. And uh, does the WWE does the WWE want him and all that? He left the WWE. Who knows if he wants to go there? No, no one's asking him. He's the one who who turned his back on them. This is social media. People debate over and. Oh, I don't mind the debate. I'm just I'm giving my side of the debate. My side of the debate is fuck him. It's enough already. Enough enough making yourself bigger than the business. That's what he does. Is that not what he does? Okay. You've said a lot. I'm going to respond to everything okay. that you said. Go ahead. Andrew is not factually incorrect in his – or not – I don't disagree with his opinion, but he's being a little shaded because he just said, <laughs> well, if Steven Seagal came out with a, a television show, I'd, I'd give it a shot. And my thing is if I'm the WWE, I absolutely take a meeting with him and I absolutely – see where his headspace is at if he's willing to meet with me and if the circumstances are right without 200 percent, without any hesitation i would bring cm cm punk back to the wwe if the circumstances are right he is by far the biggest name still not under their banner still out there and if they're able to bring him in it will be massive business and the WWE and CM Punk would be foolish to turn a blind eye to that. Now, do I say you bring them in and you make no provisions in a contract? No, and I obviously they're not dumb. They, they'll have to set up to where they feel the situation is right. He's not coming in on a position of strength. But I've read Impact. He's not going to go to Impact Wrestling. Impact Wrestling is on tim's cable network with no clearance anywhere (laughs) if he's to go back i've said this before cm punk returning in AEW. i'm not i'm interested i watched a clip or two on youtube that's it i never put him on television cm punk knowing his history in wwe to go back into a wwe ring yeah to to Borrow a phrase, I'm all in on that, and I'd love to see it. And there's a ton of fresh matches and a ton of fresh scenarios to bring him in, and I think would only strengthen their position. Andrew has to remember, WWE, Vince McMahon has always done what's best for business. He brought back Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, and Scott Hall when they saw, not that they had that kind of real tarnished, tarnished image, but they certainly were known to be locker room killers back in 2003 or whenever they brought them back. And they got two amazing WrestleMania matches out of Hogan uh, after that. If the circumstances are right, I absolutely would take a meeting with him. Absolutely, without a doubt. I agree with that. Taking a meeting, absolutely. But I, I don't. I have no problem with that. I'm just, do you really think that he would be so welcomed back by, by like the WWE universe, like the fans. Maybe not, but neither, but neither was Hulk Hogan. Oh, the fans. Like you the, said, it would be massive business. Do you really think? Who ca- do you think it? CM Punk returns, whether they boo him or cheer him. I guarantee that place is a sellout. I guarantee that their ratings are close to a three on television, or whatever clearance on premium live event. That those numbers will be staggering for the world of wrestling 
you know, whether or not he's welcomed back by the fans, he's going to get he's going to get some kind of reaction. And that's all the WWE and I'm sure CM Punk would care about. Again, I'm only surmising, but I absolutely would I would absolutely gauge interest and bring him back. Sure, he's acted like an a-hole. My only thing would have been if I don't I don't know if I was Tony Khan, I would have go I would have certainly spoken to the fans and out in front of Collision. I don't know if I would have put it on television. And I don't know if I would have said I, w- I was fearful of my yeah, my security. Apparently, there's there's rumors that he lunged at Tony Khan. I'm not saying that's not true. I'm just saying, as a businessman, I'm going to try. I'm not saying it's the, the high road. I'm going to try to be protective of all people. And yeah, I, agree I, think he deser- I, I think I think he deserves to go up in front of the fans and tell them, I've moved on from CM Punk, and that's probably what I pretty much what I would have said. And would have started the show. That's it. Either way, didn't move the needle for me. And I guess it'd be interesting. It'd it'd be interesting to see. I just, I don't know. It's like a risk versus reward. I don't know. To me, it's right now. It feels like they're firing on all cylinders and everything's working, but uh, I guess you're right. If it's good for business and it, then it's going to get headlines and it's going to, then you do it. Plus, I say under Triple H's stead, yeah, he's really made a reputation for a guy who had a reputation as a wrestler of being super political and douchey behind the scenes. As an executive, he's brought back Bruno San Martino. Maybe he had something to do with bringing back Bret Hart into the fold. Bruno, Ultimate Warrior. I'm sure there's even more bigger names. Um, remembering also that CM Punk apparently to some success and not success showed up at a raw apparently went talked to the Miz before he was escorted out, which I think was by, by Vince McMahon's. I think CM Punk has already made overtures that he'd like to be back in the WWE, Uh, whether it happens or not, who knows under triple H I'll give it a 51% chance that we see CM Punk back in in a WWE ring. I'm still interested to hear exactly what happened at this thing. That's now, still not really that? out there. It was him and Jack Perry. Jack Perry is being seen on, whether it was on the, the AEW live event, it was something to do with glass, and he was in his match with a car, and he yells out, it's real glass. And <laughs> that might have been a dig at Punk, who might have questioned... I don't know. I don't even want to surmise over it. So <laughs> okay. th- that I don't. I could, I could give two, two shits about. But yeah, he was. CM Punk was clearly unprofessional, and he got shit canned. So there you go. With cause. Good. So what probably means he has no rights to whatever remaining salary and blah 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 blah. Who knows if there's he could a, show up on Raw tomorrow? Yeah, I don't think there is like an NDA or a non-compete. So he could really he could go on whatever podcast or whatever show and just. Open up the floodgates. Yeah, do it while it's hot. That's hot. That's- All right, crew. Uh, oh, it's what two hours, and we haven't even talked about sudden death. <laughs> I don't even have the commercial ready, so let's just go right into it. Sudden death is a 1995 action thriller directed by Peter Hyams, starring our guy Jean Claude Van Damme, Powers Booth, Raymond J. Barry, and Dorian Harewood. The film pits a lone fire marshal against extortionists 
who hold unsuspecting NHL players and fans for ransom during Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals. Off the back room, I'm sorry, but Lord, this sounds like an overt diehard rip. Keep going. All right. We also know that Peter Hyams shares a very special relationship with one Mr. Jean-Claude Van Damme. They worked together on 1994 Time Cop, which I liked, but it was a tiny miss in terms of loving. They've also worked together on Sudden Death, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Is is also they Peter Hyams contributed to the cinematography for his son John's effort in Universal Soldier Regeneration, the third official Universal Soldier se- sequel starring Jean-Claude and Dolph Lundgren. Peter Hyams directed the thriller Enemies Closer, which starred Jean-Claude, which filmed in late 2012. It marked his fourth and third director- directorial collaboration with Jean-Claude Van Damme, when you see a director work with a guy like this three or four times, is this a mutual healthy respect, money deal, or a bit of both? Probably both. It's that's what they're doing here. If you look at if you look at <laughs> if you, I'm just going back to your response to the plot synopsis, but you're talking about Peter Hyams, right? Yes. Yeah, and at this point, let's see, ninety five. He was probably past his prime as far as the kind of movies that he did. I remember he did Running Scared with Billy Crystal in the 80s. Did did he do No Way Out? No, Uh, the Costner. Did he do that one? Um, Possible. I don't know. I think he did. Oh, go ahead. uh, Either way. Uh, I'm going to get a a drink from the fridge. uh, Okay, so uh, so, give us a quick Peter Peter, Peter Hyams. Let's see. Peter Hyams, a very good director. He directed Running Scared in 1986, Billy Crystal, Gregory Hines. Very funny movie, like one of those beginning buddy cop movies, which are always when they're well done. So let's see. Peter Hyams, he, is he still alive? It doesn't say here. I you believe think he is. It would. I hope he is. That'd be nice. He was alive as of 2013 because that's his last credit here. As a director, going down the list, yeah. He did End of Days in 99 with Schwarzenegger. Uh, yeah, so sudden death. All right, so here he's doing, in the 90s, he's basically a four-hire action director. But uh, he's got Running Scared and uh, The Presidio with, I remember that one, Sean Connery and uh, Mark Harmon. Um, that must have been pretty big. Yeah, Narrow Margin, Gene Hackman, Stay Tuned, that was a John Ritter comedy. Uh, and then Time Cops, he's, I, I wouldn't say he's like a super A-lister, but he's hes not that far off. He's, I don't know, tough to tough to place him in the lexicon of, but I did love Running Scared's a great movie. So this one, he's definitely taking it for the money. I mean, you work. What are, you, what are your thoughts? I'm pretty sure you're familiar with Powers Booth. Uh, I thought I'd do a quick little hitter on Powers before we uh, move on with to the movie. I mean, I could give mm. you. I, I, I took a clip of. He's got a lot of stuff from TV and movies, uh, Tombstone, um, uh, Nixon, Cruising, Red Dawn, Blue Sky, Sudden Death. All right, here's here's my take on Powers Booth. Oh, here we go. A terrific actor, but not what you're going for in this movie. I feel like. He's part of, and rest is, rest in peace. He, oh, yeah, but, he was right, really, go ahead, really go ahead, good, go really good. But but 
to me, it's like they wrote this part for Christopher Walken, but they couldn't afford him, so they go to the B level, which would be like a Powers booth. Like they wanted, so, like they definitely wrote this someone who would chew the hell out of the scenery and be completely over the top with it. And Powers Booth is actually doing it as a more refined actor instead of eating up the scenery like a Jack Nicholson would or so, or somebody like that. So I feel maybe even like they wanted like a Tommy Lee Jones for this type of, but I think. Okay. And okay. I'm interested in that because I actually thought the movie started building momentum when powers booth, that opening scene where he says nothing turns the little oven timer and everyone starts the, the, the whole super army of it. The whole super army of bad guys starts running to I Super actually, Army. There were more bad guys in the arena than than good guys. I mean, Jesus that's what Christ. I'm saying. What he turns the. You don't remember that opening scene where he turns the oven timer and yeah. all the guys start getting to work. Yeah, I thought he actually did a great job. He did a great job with what he was given, and he wasn't given much. And I feel like I hate to. Piss on a man's grave. Well, don't don't give too much away of your review. No, that's Go not ahead. my review. I feel like somebody like the part called for a more over the top villain. Well, and then I, he played it. I think he underplayed it. That's what I'll say. I think he underplayed it. I know what he was going for, and if it was if the movie was made a little bit differently, it would have fit. But especially the way it ended, I don't feel the way he played it really meshed with the rest of the movie. I'll give I'll say it does insert good character actor bad guy here. It's Hans Gruber, Tommy yeah. Lee Jones. I mean I get that, but I thought, you know, the smoke and the cigarette, the movie he's brutal at times. It's like ins- insert snarky you're not going to get away with this. Oh, yes I am. Bullet hole to somebody's head. I don't know. I it was brutal at times, and I thought his performance... Was, I'll tell you, uh, I'll, I'll put it all in perspective right now. He, I wasn't threatened by him. Like, okay, fair like When I'm watching Die Hard, I'm like, look out for this fucking guy. <laughs> like, I, I did not consider him to be a threat, even though he's killing people left and right. I just didn't believe it the way you're supposed to believe it. So, unfortunately. All right, clearly here, the movie's... The movie is, I would say, taking the typical Van Damme approach, which is Jean-Claude and a deep, if not unspectacular cast. Would you at least, would you agree with that piece? Like I said, Barry is the vice president. Dorian Hayward is Hallmark. That's the thing. Everybody, that's the thing. To me, it's, it's the B level. It's, oh, yeah, it's it, no what I was because I remember thinking this at the time. So you got Raymond J. Barry as the vice president does a very good job, but they probably wanted a J.T. Walsh and they couldn't afford him. So you get the no that that's what you get the lesser known character actor. Then you have uh, Dorian Harewood, who unfortunately, in my opinion, ever is the would be the world's worst poker player because. From the second he comes on screen, you know exactly what he's going to do. Because to me, they probably wanted like a Denzel Washington for that part and make it like a two-hander, but they couldn't afford Denzel, so they go to the, the they go to the lesser guy. Um, and that's the way the cast seems to me. 
All right, so let me go including to its on. lead, including Van Dam. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I am all right. Let I, I can't. I think this it. movie was written for somebody else, but go ahead. Okay. Did you think the movie tipped its hand by having Hallmark Dorian Hayward's character and the government agents bumbling bumbling around so much, looking like complete buffoons that it tipped their hand as to the plot point a little bit further down in the movie? Oh yeah, just the way he was taking everything so seriously, it, like it was a serious situation. But he's if you the look on his face, it's he's terrorized. It's that's not how the Secret Service handles things. It, it's, he was just so overplaying it. If Powers Booth was underplaying it, this guy was overplaying it, and it was just, he was good in one, he, he really nailed it in one scene, and that was the scene where the kid out, out mind-fucked him, which was a really wow, good scene. What a way to, to characterize it, but... Seriously, that, that was the one scene where he really, he brought it. So he's a pretty good actor, and just, again, with the just like Powers Booth, it just doesn't seem like he's fitting here. Okay, typical Van Dam insert two or three cute kids. Did you, I thought the kids gave pretty credible performance? Yes, yes, the kid and one of the kids is recognizable. He was in another. I think he was from like Sleepless in Seattle, which Ross was a popular Mal- Ross Malinger. I don't remember his name, but I remember him from that movie. He was in a movie with I think Paul Reiser, so he was somewhat recognizable, and he's pretty good. In what are essentially throwaway roles, with the exception of that one scene, in my opinion. I can't wait to hear Andrew's final review, because he's already got me interested. (laughs) I'm actually interested to give my final review. What about, was that Miss Roper, Audra Lindley, Miss Ferrara? In the beginning, yes, which was very interesting to see. And it took me a couple minutes to realize it was her, because I just remember her with like big Uh, flower, like a flower pot hair do and like a weird maid's robe or whatever whatever those things were called moomoos or something but from three's company but yeah that was mrs roper in the beginning poor girl all right grew uh listen let's get right to it sudden death is rated r for a substantial amount of strong violence and language the plot synopsis grew darren mccord takes his two kids to the <laughs> pittsburgh penguins national hockey league playoff game darren unknowing McCord. that the sports arena <laughs> <laughs> Why? Very organic Darren name. To, uh... And by the way, can we have another Van Damme movie that gives us the that little exposition scene in the, in the beginning? beginning which yeah, sets, five years always, ago. It's always and it's always He's something this so damaged. Terrible. This damaged I'm down man. Here! Everyone, I'm this down damaged here! man is taking this kids to a hockey game. Yeah, <laughs> I actually felt. I don't know if you agree with me. Why not actually have the current the movie start off current day? And maybe, if you want to, refer to something traumatic that happened a few years earlier. But you don't always have to see it. I, I don't know. It, it's, I feel like every Van Damme movie, and a lot of the 90s, you talk about tropes. It was always that early exposition scene where you got to get the setup to where the guy's traumatized in current day. In this movie's case, yes. Because what happened before has literally no connection to what's happening now. It's all about it's, it's supposed to all of a sudden you're, you're trying to set up this character study and then you're doing a, then then you got the guy taking the, the vice president hostage at a, at a hockey game. No, it doesn't work. You're right. For this kind of movie. Yes, you don't need yeah, for this kind of movie. You don't need to see what happened before. You just got to know he's fucked up in the head. He's divorced and all you could do that in, in five second exposition. If the movie were a little bit deeper. 
even even Die Hard, for example. Die Hard is oh, die. No, no, no. I'm gonna I'm gonna say the character of John McClane is a much deeper character than Darren McCord. Okay. Clearly. So what I'm saying is, there's much more going on in this whole adventure than just what. You, so if that so in a in a more quality story with more character development, yes, the more you see, the better. Here, it's not necessary. That's not what we're. That's not what we're here for. But you don't get in Die Hard. John McClane's arresting two kids in Brooklyn, and somehow somebody gets away, and he he shoots somebody in the shoulder blade, and he's traumatized for the. Right. Know, I'm just saying it would work. But I'm just saying it would work better there. It, you don't need it here. All right. Should we just go right to our review? No, 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 because you, you might be surprised by my uh, review. Um, <laughs> you know what I feel like? I want to say, L A nine. And everybody's saying, L A. Yeah. Yeah. Nah. The place is taken over by terrorists. They're holding the vice president of the United States, as well as many other high ranking officials. Darren later becomes the only one who's aware of the situation. And the stakes are raised when the terrorists announce that they will blow up the building at the end of the game. Therefore, Darren must not only subdue the terrorists but postpone the game and send it into overtime with an amazing save and a butte. <laughs> Did you uh, not think that was going to happen? That something like that was going to get him on the ice into this game? I've seen more ridiculous scenarios in other movies. <laughs> However, yes. Do you want to queue up some movie fun facts? Absolutely. Are we ready? Yeah. All right. Ready. Get ready for some fun facts about sudden death. Nothing Worthwhile presents Fun Facts. All right, Andrew. Movie Fun Fact, according to writer Randy Feldman, who wrote the first draft of the screenplay for the movie as a comedy action movie parody. The only scene that remained in the finished film was the scene where Van Damme fights the penguin mascot. The original vision for this movie would have become the basis for the remake, Welcome to Sudden Death 2020, I think, starring Michael Jai. Michael White. Jai. Michael yeah. Jai White. Yeah. Do, do you see this? As, this could have been almost like a parody uh, comedy kind of deal. Yeah, but... In a bad yes. movie way? Or? Yeah, I don't know. There's just nothing... There's not enough there, I don't think. I'd be interested to see because he, Randy Feldman, I believe, also wrote like Tango and Cash. So if he's talking on those lines, maybe I could see it. But a little more lighthearted about terrorists. <laughs> a nice lighthearted terrorist yeah. movie. Yeah. <laughs> Stop or my mom will shoot. Yeah. The film was shot. The film was shot during the NHL lockout during the 1994-95 season, which was finally resolved later that year. I don't know if that's a fun fact, but anyway. Uh, maybe you're right, Gru. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, and Bruce Willis were all considered for the role of Darren McCord, but the three turned the role down before Jean-Claude Van Damme got the part. Schwarzenegger turned the role down because he was he had already filmed True Lies, 1994, and Junior, 1994, back-to-back. Stallone turned down the role because he reportedly didn't like the quality of the script. Willis turned the part down because he was already working on Die Hard with a Vengeance 1995. Andrew, perhaps you were onto something. 
Yeah, I would say the best reason here was probably Stallone's reason. I could see how, it's st- but like I could see how ever how they could pass this script around to all of them. To me, it would have been it would have been fine in Seagal's hands. Yeah, I just think it, it was like a wait, 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 wait. somehow it would be fine in Steven Seagal's hands. But it felt like a Steven Seagal movie. That's what it felt well, like. It feels like a diehard rip. The question is going to be when we get to our final review. Please say final thoughts is did they do it well enough or credible enough that you could overlook that piece and enjoy it for the overall movie that to me clearly i remember back in 95 seeing this movie and going oh gosh die hard starring jean-claude van damme yeah um question is it meaty enough is there enough there where you can go i'm not gonna right, say yet i'm not gonna okay, say it good. i'm gonna save that boy i could you listen it doesn't take uh, nostradamus to see where you're going with this yeah. uh, peter hyams wasn't interested in making the film grew when he first heard about it thinking it was a lame idea Oy vey, this is not boding well for sudden deathy <laughs> for an action film but john claude who had done time cop 1994 with hyams recruited him after accepting the lead role and hyams liked van damme's idea for the film enough to agree to sign on as a director. So that's, uh, I guess Peter Himes wasn't interested, but when Jean-Claude signed on, he was interested. I guess okay. that's plausible. All right. Fair enough. Okay. Andrew, as usual, you are a stellar mathematician. Would you like to give a guess as to the box office for Sudden Death, 1995? Yes. I saw this in the theater, and I remember it being a modest hit, but not quite what they had hoped. I'm gonna say. Give me overall total gross worldwide. I'm gonna say it topped out at seventy mil. Seventy million. As I said, folks, Andrew is a stellar mathematician. I have sixty-four point four million 64. for the worldwide worldwide gross. Opened up December. Is there a budget? Net. Budge. I don't have the budget. Uh, maybe you could look it up real quick on your computer. For so, I apologize. I I'm gonna guess. Budget. I'm gonna guess. While you're telling me about the other stuff, I'm gonna guess the budget was in the thirty million dollar range. And I'll look it up now. Oh, I was gonna. Okay, go ahead. Look it up. You said thirty million. Look it up. Yeah, that's what I'm looking well, for. Take thirty million. That sounds maybe a little high to me, but go ahead. I, it, the, it looked good. The movie looked good. It looked it does. There's some blue screeny stuff. There always is. I okay, think. but um, where would you? I will oh, agree. There is office. a rich. There is a rich feel to this movie. It does look pretty, like in the scope of Die Hard, the scenes with the hockey arena. It does look on a pretty massive scale. I still think 30 mil sounds a little bit much for the budget. But go. What do you got? I'm having trouble finding it. Look it up. I'll look it up on my phone. You got your special. You got. Well, you you always have. You always have your secret. Uh, your secret sources that I can never. Sudden death. Sudden death box. Sudden death. Oh, oh I see. I got it. Thirty-five. Thirty-five mil. I, I said thirty, but yeah, announced budget of thirty-five million dollars. So I'm assuming, against a total gross of sixty-four, that's. 
a minor, if at all, a success. That's got to be, even back in 95, disappointing, right? It was probably disappointing uh, for them because that is a high budget for what they were doing at the time, but it's still profitable. It's still a hit. Yeah. 70, like $70 million in, in, in 95. These were the pre-Titanic days. Does, the, you know? does that budget reflect like advertising and like commercials and stuff? Is that factored in there? I don't know. You never really know. But either way, he could say he made more than they spent. Grew a critical response on Rotten Tomatoes. You want to give a you want to give a gander as to the rotten? Yeah, I'll uh, probably the critical, say the critical. I'll say critical. It probably had a maybe thirty percent somewhere around there. Fifty percent based on thirty six wow. reviews with an average 50%. rating of five point one one out of ten. Okay, the website's consensus states. Sudden Death may not be a classic, but exciting set pieces and strong work from Jean-Claude Van Damme helped this action thriller pay off part of its die-hard debt. Very interesting. Hmm. Audiences grew, polled by CinemaScore, gave the average film a grade of B+, on an A+, to F scale. So the fans seemed to like it. Andrew, let me give you a couple of top critics. Mick LaSalle <laughs> from the San Francisco Chronicle. Sudden Death is one of the best action thrillers of 1995. It's also the film Jean-Claude Van Damme had been building up to for 10 years. Peter Travers, Rolling Stone, despite elaborate stunts, go direction from Peter Hyams, plus butt-kicking and surprise goalie action from Van Damme. Death deserves the hockey puck booby prize for getting its jollies by putting kids in jeopardy. Uh Yeah. Kevin (laughs) Thomas, LA Times, a treat for Jean-Claude Van Damme fans. A superior action thriller loaded with jaw-dropping stunts and special effects. Strong in production values. Roger Ebert, Chicago Sun-Times. Perhaps the world does not require more than a dozen or so die-hard clones. You tell me. Thank you, Roger. (laughs) Richard Harrington from the Washington Post. Though the climactic duel atop the arena is patently absurd, it's also exciting as events go into sudden death overtime, just like the game played below. And finally, James Berardinelli from Real Views about the best thing that could be said for this movie is that the action scenes directed by Peter Hyams are choreographed with flair. Unfortunately, the material connecting to them is worthless. All right, Andrew has hinted. He's given us some clues, some breadcrumbs throughout this podcast on his thoughts. Let's get Andrew Guthis' final review on the Van Dammit scale of zero to four hockey sticks. Andrew, please give us your review, your hockey stick rating, and your thoughts, your review on Sudden Death and to why. Okay. All right. So Sudden Death is less than the sum of its parts. As And by that, director, actors, script, everything, with the exception of Van Damme is fine, even though you could tell that this movie was written for 20 other people besides him, and he was just slotted in there. They could have at least changed the name to something a little more believable, but they just don't want to. I don't know why they keep doing the same thing. This, (laughs) This movie is a lot of fun. It's a fun premise that just doesn't that just doesn't quite get there because it's not a hundred percent sure what it's supposed to be. Is it supposed to be laughable? 
or is it or are we supposed to be really frightened and taking it very seriously are we supposed to be scared for these little kids like we were scared for the people in the building in Die Hard or the or or in in movies that were that are similar that worked better than this one you never get that sense of dread i think the only couple moments that i really thought they nailed it were with the vice president and his willingness to protect the daughter like that's that rung true to me and also when dorian harewood's character as i said before he got outwitted by the son. So those were two good moments. Other than that, everything was just cookie cutter as far as I'm concerned. There could have been some fun had with the woman and dressed as the penguin, but uh, oh, I love that. Yeah, it was, was it was great. okay. It was, it was okay, but I I feel like they should have gone further with it. That I think that's the problem. I think just when you're taking it seriously, it does something really silly, like getting him into the goal. That that, that was just it was so dumb. Because it had it really had nothing to do with anything other than just an excuse to get him in the goal and whatever. I think they could have worked a little harder on that. Plus, I have a huge problem with the end where I feel that they could have done something really fun. Why the hell would he was done? He was escaped. All right. Powers Booth. He was escaped. He was out. Okay. So then all of a sudden he's the girl spots him. Nobody's paying any attention to her. He's he could just slip out and get away and it'd be over. But no, he had to grab the little girl, get into the chopper and then die because that's what the script told him to do. It would have been interesting to have him literally because all Van Damme cared about was saving his kids. Okay, so he's got his kids. The bombs are diffused, whatever. Let the guy get away and, you know, have like maybe six months later or something. I don't know. Do something interesting, but they didn't. So, my final review, okay? Fun to watch. I enjoyed it more when I saw it in the theater uh, 20-something years ago than I liked it now, but still, I enjoyed watching it. I'm going to give it two hockey sticks out of four. I did not dislike it, but it didn't quite do what I feel it could have done. It just didn't quite get there for me. Two, two, Two out of four. Wow. I am shocked and stunned. Why? Because uh, I'm going to tell you my thoughts on this. Okay. Uh, Andrew, uh, I give you my good, my bad, and my final review. Good, and maybe Andrew disagrees, but I did the characters in this movie. I thought they were actually some of the best action sequences in, in in the Van Damme movie. Great kills in this movie. Great violent kills. Bone. The lady goes through a dishwasher there's some sly humor i didn't see it as a jumbly point it sounds like andrew did doesn't want to be action comedy blah 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 i think jean claude held up pretty well here i thought powers booth i'm not going to say chewed up the scenery but i thought he was a fairly credible villain if not the best one overall in the van damme universe i did Ron silver and time cop what i didn't like about the movie does have a silly premise the how they get into the arena initially is just so silly. Yeah. Like they just bat, they kill two guys <clears> in a van. <throat> Nobody's going to be around, and they then all they have the they're making all the ID really silly. It is an obvious diehard ripoff, but I thought here it was a fairly well done rip job. So my final <laughs> review, and I don't know if Andrew's, but I think the in my notes the bar is somewhat low, 
but I think this is the best overall Van Damme movie so far. Wow. I think it exceeds Time Cop with a more coherent plot. Same playbook with Jean-Claude. Likeable hero. He's able... He he's always seems to be like the dad with... He's divorced and got the young kids. <clears throat> we got a deep, if somewhat unspectacular cast. Um... The movie starts off for me, and I'm like, the same old Jean-Claude with that exposition scene. But I do think when Powers Booth hits the screen, I think the movie starts to build momentum. I think Jean-Claude hangs in there. You got the likable kids, and they hang in there for the ride. I'm going three out of four hockey sticks for sudden death. Wow. I say, look, the bar is low. We've really ripped on some of Jean-Claude's movies, but... And I'm not even saying that, but I thought, given all of its, and I can't disagree with any of Andrew's sort of criticisms, I thought overall it has the, it has the biggest, richest look to it. And I thought the action sequences were great. The kills were great. Yeah, it's, it's silly, but I think Jean-Claude hangs in there with the rest of the cast. And I will agree with it everything. Fun, I will... It was a fun ride. It was a fun ride for me. I, I understand... Andrew's like I think the Powers Booth character is clearly insert narcissistic, almost somewhat crazy villain, and Powers plays it a little low, but it didn't. I didn't see that as a flaw. I guess just saw that as I'm going to agree. I'm going to agree with everything you say. The only difference for me is that I'm looking at it from a glasses half empty. I feel they could have done better in specific places, and I would have liked to have seen it. And they just, for for whatever reason, they seem to have chosen not to. So that's so that that. But I agree with everything you say. It is fun, great kills, great fun. It's just I just tend to see things for what they can be as opposed to what they are. I'm going to stick with mine. Yeah, I guess the other thing is they never really. He's a fire. He's a fire marshal. They never really explain as to why he's so handy with the get, food. Get, get a little creative. Tell, give us more than just okay. We're just going to accept that he's this damaged guy who knows how to do everything with everything, and he's going to be the only one who can save us. But it's only because he's got two kids in the thing. It's just every that they could. Are we to assume that he becomes a fire marshal because of that scene at the beginning? Where he's so traumatized that he can't really fight fires anymore. That he's. You know what I mean? Is that the yeah? Well, the and the fact that the kids that the kid says something, the kid's like, "He's a fireman." No, he's not. He was too afraid to be a fireman. Oh, oh yeah, thanks, yeah. thanks for telling us that. And then it's an excuse for Powers Booth to call him Fireman because you got to have a nickname for him. So it yeah. just it was just it was lazy. It seemed for a movie that definitely put its heart behind the action sequences and all that, like you said. With some of the writing, it was lazy, and I feel like, you know, I just feel like it could have been a lot better. But still fun, just like you said. Grew, you want to give us one thing you're watching this week, or two things, or eight things? Or what, what are you watching <laughs> yeah. this week? I'm watching, I was going to say, I was. I had two, but I'm going to stick with one. I'm watching, re-watching, actually, a great documentary about a lost television show from the 1990s. The documentary is on Hulu. It's called Too Funny to Fail. It's the story of the Dana Carvey show, which is actually... I feel like you've done this one already. Have I? 
<laughs> All right. If I have, then I'm also watching. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> I am. What was I? Want? I'm watching on. I think it was on Paramount. No, it couldn't have been on Paramount. It was on Max. Watching a hundred years of Warner Brothers, which is a, I think a three or four episode thing about the chronology of the Warner Brothers studio, and it's actually a very interesting story about the actual Warner Brothers in the beginning, and then seeing how the different the different eras of types of movies they were making as opposed to the other studios, what movies came to this studio as opposed to others. It's actually very good. I'm really, I'm in the middle of it, and I'm enjoying it a lot. But if I didn't do the Dana Carvey one, go check that out on Hulu. It's one of the funniest documentaries I've ever seen. And what's the, is it called Warner Brothers, the documentary on Max? What is it called? I, I think it's just called A Hundred Years of Warner Brothers. I think okay. that's what it's called. all right. But uh, I'm enjoying it. Grew up for me, I'll give a... God, my nose. Excuse me, everybody. Excuse me, everybody. Right. I will give a fairly strong recommendation to the first James Gunn DC Extended Universe movie. I watched Blue Beetle. Oh. Last week, Zolo Maraduena, George Lopez, Susan Sarandon make up a very capable, capable cast. Fun, cute family superhero movie that sets up a lesser-known DC character to be a major part of the DC Extended Universe moving forward. You could do a lot worse. Two hours, Zolo, uh, I'll recommend Blue Beetle. Nice. I'm glad it was good. That's our guy from Cobra Kai there. And so it was good. You, you, you enjoyed it? Now, did you see it in the theater? I did see it in the theater. Okay. Good theater experience to see it like that? Yeah. It's, it had been out a couple of weeks, so the theater was... Maybe half full. No, it's out. I, I know it's out. Oh, I did just, I have I a great? Went. I had a great time. Yeah, I went yeah. with Simone and Marisa and Jaimito and got some snacks and we watched. We watched a movie and well, um, I could grab a thing of dots from the dollar store and go check it out. Maybe I will. Yeah, I did pretzel. <laughs> this movie theater had pretzel bites. It was Ooh. great. Oh. They're getting like a like, gourmet now. They're trying to get people back. I know. The it was, yeah, it was. Exp- it was certainly expensive enough, but yeah. yeah I, the only thing I might say is Zolo needs to. He needs to. It's the same. He plays the same kind of nervous. Nuts. Yeah. He doesn't have a ton of self esteem. Unsure. Of him. He plays the same, same kind kid. of guy. Same kid for the most part here, but. For the first James Gunn, he had no part of the film, but he's the head of the studio. His first release it was promising. It wasn't a lights-out knockout. George Lopez is very funny in this movie. Susan Sarandon, as the resident baddie, does a great <laughs> job. And it was good. All right. I, I think I'd like to check it out. All right, Andrew. When Gru and I return back to the mothership, hopefully maybe next weekend, we're going to cover... Uh, we're going to cross over one final time for now, 2004. Two of the greatest sci-fi horror monsters are finally squaring off. It's Alien. It's Predator. It's Alien pr- versus Predator. The enemy of my enemy is my friend, Andrew. I w- we'll finally get to it. Yes, looking forward to that. I haven't seen... i got to rewatch a whole bunch of these. Just to, I don't need to watch the original Alien quadrology, but i, I got to say, I want to see Prometheus and some of the other ones, Covenant... And then I definitely want to watch. Now, are we doing the original AVP or are we doing Requiem? No, we can do Requiem at another time. I'm going to, I just want to do the original original AVP. Okay. All right. Good. Cause that's the one I haven't seen in a really long time. So I'm looking forward to watching it. Yeah. We're in one month's time. We'll return back to Van Dammit and it's going to be 1997 double team 
featuring one Jean-Claude <laughs> Van Damme. Rodman. Everyone's favorite NBA hoopster, Dennis Rodman. And everyone's favorite matinee idol with too much plastic surgery, Mickey Rourke. Gru, oh, yeah, you're either on their side. Gru, you're either on their side or in their way. Double team. <laughs> I forgot Mickey Rourke was in that. Now I'm really looking forward to watching it again. Yeah, I remember. I, now I remember. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, double team was fun. All right. Sure, at least that, uh, as I remember it. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely interested we'll see, to see. We'll see through our through our through our snobby, cynical, middle aged eyes. Now we'll see what it, we'll see what it's like. No, but if I'm a betting man, I think. All right, I'm just going to say it. I it feels like double team starts a little bit of the inevitable slide down for Johnny Claude. I would say so, considering that I believe that's exactly what happened. But that doesn't say anything about the movie. Let's see. I'm looking forward to. Let's give it. Let's yeah, give it let's a chance. give it a chance. Give it a chance. Let's, listen. Let's give CM Punk a chance. Let's, yes. Let's we'll give everybody a chance. chance. Everybody we'll gets everybody at least chance. nine chances. That's right. Yes. All right, Gru. Uh, we hope everyone enjoyed this podcast. So take us out of here. Atta boy. That was. It was great to see you as always. Great to have our loyal, small but loyal audience listening to us. Uh, we're looking to uh, expand, but until the next yes, time we see favorite. you, but put all the production, Facebook, Instagram, we got a, we, we got, we're down to 13 people in India. That's it. <laughs> we love India and we love you. And because we love you, we will be here next week to talk about a V P alien versus predator. It doesn't get any hotter than that. And then the next time on Van Dammit, we can't wait to go back and take a look at, I think it was 1997's Team Up Double Team with JCVD and the worm, Dennis Rodman. And ladies and gentlemen, until then, from us to you, no retreat. No surrender. On we go.